All right, beloved, you can open to John 8. You open in prayer, and then we'll uh, take a look. Heavenly Father, thank you for your loving kindness, your mercy, for your glorious gospel, the teachings of our Lord Jesus Christ. Help us to see this morning uh, um, the I Am, the Eternal One, our Redeemer, Savior, your Son, our Lord. It's in his name we pray. Amen. In John 8, so let me read a couple verses. We're going to look at the majority of the, path, uh, the chapter together. The Pharisees ask, in verse 53, Are you greater than our father Abraham who died? And the prophets died? Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. But you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it. And was glad. So the Jews said to him, You are not yet fifty years old, and have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Thank you, brother. Well, we come to the conclusion of our series, Image of the Invisible God, the seven I am statements, the seven I am pronouncements of the incarnate Lord Jesus Christ. Um, we began with um, the Tetragrammaton, the unpronounceable name of God, Yahweh, um, back in Exodus 3. Yahweh, who, who called to himself Moses at Horeb, the mountain of God, before the burning bush, when he instructed him to go into Egypt and lead his people out, when Moses said, who shall I say sent me, the answer was clear, I am that I am. Jesus, um, in all seven I am statements, um, they, they all begin with um, um, ego, I me. Um, you know, I am followed by, you know, I am the bread of life, the door to the sheepfold, I'm the light of the world, I'm the shepherd of the sheep, and so on. Um, this, in John 8, um, really, uh, we call it the, the eighth pronouncement that ends with ego, I me. In John 8, 58, he says clearly, before Abraham was, I am. John 8 records a fight having to do with family resemblance, having to do with family trees is really what this is about. 
Um, the discussion that provokes the argument, we see it back in verse 31, if you want to take a look. Jesus said to the Jews, notice, who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. If you continue in my word, it will be proven you are truly mine. Now, we were reminded in the, uh, the uh, I am the true vine passage in John 15, that a true disciple of Jesus is not one who, who is flippant, you know, now again associating him or herself um, with the Lord Jesus Christ. After all, it is Christmas. Give him a nod of acknowledgement, things like that. Casual attention to, to the words of Christ. Remember the, the rhema, the words, the teachings of, of Christ, who is the logos, the word. A true disciple, Jesus said, is one who abides, one who stays, uh, one who maintains his, his posture of discipleship. That is in the word, in the words taught by Christ, who is the word. Uh, we looked at the secured position of being grafted into the vine by grace, given life, the fact that, that being in Christ, you he said, John 15, you are already clean. You're already clean by grace. You've been given life. And then we moved from the, positional, the positionally secured place of having been grafted into the vine. Uh, we moved from position to proximity, or that is, we could also call it um, the experience thereof and the idea of mutual abiding. That is, his words abiding in you, his words abiding in us. That is, his utterances, his teachings, um, again, rhema, the words of, of Christ. In John 15, in verse 8, Jesus said, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. So again, we wanted to stress the fact that you don't try and squeeze out fruit. You can be involved in ministry and have a very leafy appearance and lack fruit. Jesus said, abide and you will bear fruit. It will be proven that you are mine. In John 8, notice, if... If, the necessary condition, you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, verse 31. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And there he is describing, again, the liberation of the soul to all who abide in the life-giving words of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, these words were given to those, notice, who believed that they trusted in Jesus, and, and to them he says, continue in this. And you will know what liberation is. Bonds are broken. Liberty of the soul is received and sustained. Now, the setting of all of this is the temple. It's the treasury. It's the large um, outer court. Um, notice in verse 20, 
These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple. Remember, it was here that he said earlier, if you look back at verse 12, um, I am the light of the world. Whoever, believe, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So that's the setting. We've already looked at the, the I am the light of the world a number of weeks ago. Um, now, um, they, they dispute that, the religious sect, the clergy, they dispute that and they say, your testimony is not true. So Jesus, he rebuts and he says this, the law states, your law states, the testimony of two is true. I bear witness of myself and the Father who sent me bears witness about me, verse 18. In response, verse 19, they said to him, therefore, where is your father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. Now the Jews, verse 22, they're up in arms. And the Jews here is a reference to the Pharisees. Israel's religious lawyers really is what they were. Religious lawyers, that's a problem. <laughs> now, at this point, they, they desperately want to arrest Jesus, but, but they cannot at this point. Um, verse 20, uh, they, no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. In verse 21, Jesus said, I'm going away. Where I go, you cannot come, and you will die in your sins. They wonder, verse 22, what? Is he going to commit suicide? Verse 23, he said to them, you are from above, I am, I'm sorry, you are from below, I am from above, you are of this world, I am not of this world, I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So they said to him, who are you? Verse 26, I have much to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world what I have heard from him. They didn't understand that he had been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. Now, those who did not believe were enraged. Okay, in verse 31, again, we see Jesus said, or the, the Jews um, who had believed in him, he said, if you abide in my word, you're truly my disciples. In verse 33, um, they answered, the Jews, the, the religious leaders, they answered, said, we are of the offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? So notice they, they, they appeal here to their family tree and their relationship to, to Abraham, the great paternal figure of Israel. Here is how the name of Abraham is brought up in the first place. 
in this fight, this argument, um, thinking as they did that because they were born Jews, they were automatically included in the kingdom of God. So to be of Abraham, to be of Abraham's offspring, was to be considered as being one on the inside. One who's right with God. And that, of course, is why Paul, the apostle, would later belabor the point that a true Jew is one what? Inwardly. Having to do with circumcision of the, of the heart. Not everyone who is ethnically connected to Abraham receives the promises given to Abraham, is, is Paul's point. Not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel, we read in Romans 9. Here, they refuse to acknowledge their sin, the Pharisees, enslaved as they, they were to the very nature of their soul, the place where sin rules, the place where sin reigns. They refuse to acknowledge that, and Jesus said, only if the Son makes you free from that, are you free indeed. And you reject me. But yet you say you have the Father. No one has the Father who rejects the Son. So in this, in this account, we see a, a paternity claim, a paternity dispute, and the results thereof which aren't pretty. Now, in Scripture, um, paternity was a very important issue. Um, it's one of the reason, reason, reasons we read throughout Scripture um, numerous genealogies. Where you came from was very important. The argument of John 8 is really, really has to do with, with paternity resemblance. You look like your daddy. Boy, you resemble your father. And they do indeed. So verse 37. I know that you are the offspring of Abraham. Yet you seek to kill me, says Jesus, because my words find no place in you. There again is the issue, my words. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me. A man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You were doing the works that your father did. They said to him, we were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God, and I am here. I came, not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot, you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and has nothing to do with the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father 
of lies. So Jesus, here he says, let me tell you clearly about your paternal lineage. Okay, you resemble your father, and your father is the devil. That's your daddy. Who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? The devil's your daddy. Now the New Testament tells us, amen, that by nature we are children of wrath. By nature, we are children of disobedience. That is what we are by nature. All of mankind follows the prince of the power of the air. We are children of the evil one by nature. No one is born a child of God in a salvific sense. Not at all. He only has one son who is of the same essence and nature, Jesus his only son, the perfect image of God. And it's only by way of adoption and the new birth that we become and have become children of God in Christ. By new birth, not by nature. So here Jesus, the the only son, um, enters into this uh, paternity dispute with those who claim a special relationship to Abraham and therefore a special relationship to God. And Jesus just tears him to shreds. No one has the father who rejects the son. You reject the one he sent, you reject him. And to this very day in our pluralistic society, people will often say they believe that all roads lead to God the Father. So long as you believe in God the Father, it doesn't really matter what avenue you take to get there, which is a lie from the pit of hell. Jesus says you cannot believe in the Father and reject the Son. We are one. You are the children of the one you reflect, he says. The one you obey, the one you resemble. The the one you show allegiance to is the one you resemble. You reject me, so you don't resemble my father. Jesus says your daddy is the devil. Him you follow. You obey that age-old murderer, and you're seeking to kill me. You resemble your daddy. Notice, they, they, they say, oh yeah, oh yeah. We're not illegitimate. In other words, they know the story. They've done their homework on Jesus of Nazareth and this supposed uh, illegitimate birth um, of this woman, um, Mary. Um, therefore, um, they basically say, you're disqualified. How many times did Jesus offend these characters? Time and time again. They were always offended by how Jesus dealt openly with religious thugs, religious hypocrites. He saw right through them. They were offended that he touched the untouchable. Those who would make you, you know, ceremoniously unclean. That he healed on holy days. 
and he would do that purposefully. They were horrified by, by his authoritative demeanor. And they asked, who do you make yourself out to be? Who do you think you are? Never stopping to consider, hmm, see miracles, casting out demons. I heard these demon-possessed people. I've heard demons speak through them and declare him as the son of God. I heard it with their own voice. They never stopped to consider that perhaps um, he is God returning to Zion. Perhaps he is Emmanuel. Remember, remember back in John 10, verse 24, they asked, how long will you keep us in suspense? How long? If you're the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, he said, I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. But you do not believe. Why? Because you are not part of my flock. And again, he didn't say, you're not part of my flock because you don't believe. He said, you don't believe because you're not part of my flock. Here, if you really followed the Father, you would listen to me. And it would be proven you're part of my flock. Verse 47, the reason why you do not hear them, that is God's words, is that you're not of God. And unless God enables them to listen, unless God enables them to believe on Christ, or anyone for that matter, they never will. Those who have ears to hear, and not everyone has ears to hear. You know, part of the judgment of God as he wills, as he wills sovereignly, part of his judgment is to plug people's ears and to allow the scales to remain over their eyes so that hearing they will not hear and seeing they will not see Isaiah 6, fulfilled ultimately in John 12. Only if God removes the scales and open, opens ears will they believe. You won't because you can't. And we see in John 12 that they would not, and we see that they could not. So these Jews, these, these Pharisees, they can't because of their, they're of their father. Their father's the devil. And their will is to do what their father desires, and that is to murder God's one and only son. And we'll see this morning in the message that Satan, has, he tried to do that from the fall. Therefore, God put enmity between the offspring of the woman and the offspring of Satan. Enmity, hostility. In other words, warfare. Warfare. They're willing accomplices of their father, Satan. John 8, 46, which, which one of you convicts me of sin? There's a question for you. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of 
God. They're not of God, so they do not hear the words of God. We meet people like this. You used to be like that. I used to be like that. You know, unless you came to faith as a young child and you always heard the words of God as the words of God, if you're one of the, the fortunate ones who, who were born again of the Spirit at a very young age and you don't even really remember being unregenerate, you just know that you were because Scripture says you were. <laughs> Amen? What a testimony that is to the grace of God. But most of us, we, 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 as we think back, we realize there, there was a time where I didn't accept the words of God. I didn't have ears to hear the words of God as God's words. And then one day you woke up, having been regenerated, granted new birth, and you were given ears to hear, eyes to see, hearts to believe and trust in, in, in Christ. So these so-called sons of Abraham find themselves at odds with the God of Abraham, the Word, in this dispute. Verse 48 The Jews answered him, Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? That's like saying, Oh, yeah, your mom's ugly. Resort to ad hominem, you know, ad hominem response. Jesus answered, I do not have a demon. But I honor my Father, and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. The Jews said to him, now we know you have a demon. Abraham died, as did the prophets. Yet you say... If anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died? And the prophets died. Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my father who glorifies me, of whom you say, he is our God. But you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word. Notice they call him a Samaritan, um, viewed as they were, as half-breed heretics, who don't really count. And then add to that, they accuse him of participating in voodoo, in witchcraft, basically. So you're illegitimate. We know the story about your mama. Okay, You're illegitimate. You're born of fornication. You're a half-breed who's indwelt by a demon. So that's what they conclude in this paternity dispute. So by a Samaritan, they meant that he was one who was an enemy of their national faith, basically. And they considered them to be apostate idolaters and therefore were viewed as being demonized. That's how they viewed Samaritans. 
Verse 56, um, your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. Whether he saw it when he was ready to slit the throat of his son Isaac, or whether he saw it when he gave a tenth of all that he had to Melchizedek, both probably, he saw my day and rejoiced. He saw it by faith, no doubt. He believed God's promise and was justified, we read in the New Testament. The covenantal promise having to do with me, says Jesus, Abraham, he rejoiced. He saw it, he believed, he rejoiced. If you oppose me, you're not sons of Abraham. So he's not your daddy. The devil's your daddy. Then the Jews said to him, you're not yet 50 years old, and have you seen Abraham? Okay, notice Jesus, he didn't say, I saw Abraham, but rather Abraham saw me. He saw my day. He saw my glory. He saw my purpose. He understood the promises of God. He understood that the day of spiritual deliverance. Abraham saw it by faith. He believed, Romans 4, 3, and it was accounted to him as righteousness. Justified by faith alone. So they, they, they reply, only as they are able, materially, earthly. You're not yet 50. This is just Nothing significant to that number other than it's a round number, a nice round number. And uh, Abraham's been dead for 2,000 years. And they're scratching their heads. They're natural men. Verse 58, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. That's amazing. So he's saying that Abraham became, but I was already there. I am. Not before Abraham was, I was. I am. Long before Abraham ever breathed his first breath, I am. An unambiguous declaration of deity. I am. So a very clear statement regarding his eternal nature. I am, personal name of God, Yahweh. I am, Yahweh, uh, the name too sacred to be uttered, said to Moses, Jesus is saying, I am God. And that was not missed by his audience. That didn't go over their heads. Verse 59, so... They picked up stones to throw at him. Why? Blasphemy. Declaring to be God. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. 
Notice there's no supernatural disappearing act, you know, like I dream a genie. None of that. He simply fades into the crown, into the crowd. This this is the invisible hand of God's providence. He just kind of disappears within the crowd. He slips out. Why? Because it was not yet his hour. It says in verse 1, chapter 9, he passed by. And as he passed by, that's when he saw the, the man who was born blind and goes on to heal him. So um, out of the seed of Abraham, 2,000 years after the promise would come the promised Messiah, um, the incarnate Lord Jesus Christ, and the Pharisees, who should have been on the lookout, anticipating his arrival, um, they proudly and naively thought that they had the right DNA that makes you right with God. They miss him. Jesus says DNA is not the issue. Faith and trust in me is the issue. So don't say you believe God when you reject me. For I, I am. sacrificial son. He's at the center of the true family of God. Abraham looked forward, we look back. Trust in the same one. So anyone who who comes to him by faith, anyone who comes to the son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, regardless of our background, regardless of DNA, whoever comes by faith is more than Welcome from every tribe, tongue, and nation. Only God's Son, only Jesus, shares his status. Only Jesus shares his status with Father with us by faith and trust in the Son. To whom we cry, Abba, Abba, Father. The image of the invisible God came to this world saying, I am the bread of life, I am the light of the world, I am the door to the sheepfold, I am the shepherd of the sheep, I am the resurrection of the life and the life, I am the way, the truth, and the life, I am the true vine. He is the pre-existent, eternal God who, before Abraham was, is. I am. And that'll do it. Amen? Amen. Lord, we thank you. We thank you, our great I am, living God who has condescended sending your son here to redeem us so that we can say, um, I am in the Father through the Son, confidently, because of the I am. We thank you and praise you in Christ's name. Amen.